Welcome back to my podcast to 27 Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today I'd like to reflect about the Church, arising from particularly the Gospel where our Lord speaks of the parable of the vineyard, and of course that is echoed from the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. So let's go back to the beginning. In God's plan, right at the beginning, every human being was supposed to be a member of the family or the people of God. But as we know, this was broken by original sin, by the fault of the human race itself. So then God set about the task of forming a people for himself through Abraham. In the time of Moses, this now numerous assembly of the descendants of Abraham agreed to live in a covenant with God. Of course, as we know, they did so imperfectly, but they reached the apex of their temporal prosperity with King David and his son, King Solomon. Christ, who is the descendant of David, brought salvation and sanctification to every human being and established his church as the new people of God. And to this church, to become a member of this family, his church, every human being is invited. That's why the church is called Catholic. It is for all, for everyone. Now, of course, as we know, the church is composed of people. But just because it is composed of people doesn't mean it is of human origin, and nor that it belongs to this world. The church is in the world, but the church is not of this world. This is why, building upon the imagery first given by St Paul, the church is called the mystical body of Christ. The word mystical denotes the church's supernatural quality. The phrase body of Christ signifies that the church belongs to Christ, not to the Pope or to any other member of it. In fact, the connection between Christ and the church is so strong that the Catechism puts it this way, that Christ dwells on earth in his church. Wow. Christ dwells on earth in his church. The church is his living presence. So the church is not like an association of people that we may encounter in a club or union or parliament. The closest human analogy we have is that of the family. So as there is authority and leadership in a family, So Christ exercises authority over the church because he is the head of the church and all members of the church belong to his mystical body. Christ is the most important member of the church since he is its head. Now everything that Christ has, he has given to his church by gift, not by right. Everything that Christ accomplished by his paschal mystery, he has given to his church, just like a husband shares everything with his wife. The riches of Christ 
are communicated to all the Church's members through the sacraments. It is Christ who acts through the sacraments, which he instituted, we didn't invent them, so that he may communicate his grace. The sacraments are visible and perceptible words and actions which are accessible to our human nature. By the action of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they make present the grace they signify. There are two sacraments of the Church that the Church recommends to us that we receive frequently. They are Holy Communion and Penance. Note the word is frequently, not occasionally. Many Catholics receive Holy Communion weekly or more often than that, but very few receive penance, even occasionally. Yet going to confession helps you to receive Holy Communion in a better way, with a greater disposition towards the sanctifying grace that Christ wishes to give you. The other great treasure given to the Church by Christ is the gift of faith, sometimes called the deposit of faith. So just like we deposit money in the bank and expect the bank to keep it safe and make it grow, so Christ has given the faith to the church to guard it and hand it on from generation to generation. The successors of the apostles are given the clear and complete task of faithfully guarding the faith against being watered down or changed. And priests and deacons, through their ordination, are given a share in that apostolic office and mission. At the ordination of a bishop, he is asked to publicly profess, promise and declare that he is resolved to maintain the deposit of faith, entire and incorrupt, as handed down by the apostles and professed by the Church everywhere and at all times. As members of Christ's Church, we have to be mindful of not adopting the updating principle that we have with our phones and computers towards the Church. Subtly, the idea of progress can creep into our approach to the faith. But Christ has given us the full content of the faith. It is us who need to come to appreciate it, to understand it, and to express it in better ways. The faith does not need to change so that it adapts to current realities. If that were the case, then there is the implied notion that what Christ left to the Church is somehow imperfect, insufficient, or deficient. But as the Second Vatican Council pointed out, the faith rests on the written word of God, together with sacred tradition, as its primary and perpetual foundation. So the Church exists to bring the world to Christ, not to become like the world. As our Lord said in John fifteen eighteen, If the world hates you, remember it hated me before you. Through holy baptism, the Father has taken us out of the world and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, which is the Church. 
we should be immensely grateful for that and always be true and loyal sons and daughters of the Church. It is not just poetic turn of phrase that calls the Church our Holy Mother. This image recognises that Christ has taken the Church as his bride and through her he brings about the spiritual birth of many children. Like good and grateful children, let us love her. Let us defend and protect our Holy Mother, the Church, from all her enemies. The Church is the choice vineyard cultivated by God, where Christ, the true vine, gives life and fruitfulness to his branches. Laudato Jesus Christus.